Blog Talk Radio. Live from Washington, D.C., it's quintessential listening. Poetry Online Radio. Now, here's your host, Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Not too bad. How are you, Michael? I'm doing quite well. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, all right, all right. Let's begin this journey together. I'd like to ask you the following question. What is poetry? Um, I've always thought that poetry was truth. It was honesty. Um, it was something that when whoever the reader or the listener of the poem would be, they can relate to it in some way. Um, I I think overall, as long as the poem is honest, that's what poetry is. It's just an honest, honest snapshot of uh, life. Oh, very nice. An honest snapshot of life. Why, and this is a little nuance in terms of the first question, why is it important to us? I, I think it, tell, it tells you what poetry, when poetry's honest, you you know what's going on in the world. It's like the real uh, newspaper, um, especially if you're reading uh, uh, contemporary poetry and you're reading poetry uh, as it happens in the world. You're getting a feeling of the pulse of uh, whatever whatever culture the poem's coming from. So you kind of it's kind of kind of the pulse of uh, the world in a way, if you want to really know oh, what's going wow. on. Again, that was, that's nice. I like that. The pulse of the world. <laughs> oh, Jake. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're incredible already. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the uh, predominant themes of your work? Um, well, I think, like, Early on, it was um, just kind of like the road, the openness, um, searching and longing and looking for something. Um, the uh, um, every, like the pictures of every day, like things that you walk by, uh, you don't pay attention to uh, a flower growing out of a stop sign, um, a piece of newspaper uh, flowing down the street, things like that, and then um, with my last book that I did, Nightfall of Diamonds, it was more um, like love, like love poems, meet nature poems. Gary Snyder, Pablo Neruda had a dance or something like that, and uh, it was just kind of nature and life and living and sadness and happiness and just kind of the process of growing each day. All right, very nice. How does a poem begin for you with an idea? A form or an image? Um, usually when a poem starts coming to me, I will, I'll either get a word that kind of is echoing around in my head. It might be a word. It might be a phrase. And it's constantly in a voice, and I'm hearing the cadence, and I'm hearing, uh, 
I'm hearing everything that's going around and then I'll start getting an image and a couple more words might come and then I'll, I'll start jotting them down in a notebook. And then as I'm jotting them down, I'm hearing more and more words that uh, it's almost like somebody reading a poem to me in my head and it kind of the words jump around, dance around. And uh, I try to get, get them all out. Um, and uh, sometimes I might have two or three poems that way. Sometimes it might not even end up being uh, one poem, but it usually always starts with a word or a phrase kind of entering my uh, my mind at some point. Well, please share a poem. All right. Um, this is um, this poem is the Grim Reaper is my best friend. The Grim Reaper is my best friend. He walks with me every day. Sometimes down the sidewalk and into work. Sometimes into the woods alone we'll go. We sit and talk philosophy and books. His favorite author is a prick and mine is a fraud. I don't stop for lunch, but he'll pause and eat a ham sandwich. He's kind enough to pour me a drink at any time of day. And in the morning, we drink black coffee together while laughing at the news. That was the Grim Reaper is my best friend. Thank you. I like that poem, and I, I liked it when I had first had the opportunity to read it. It reminded me of a scene in that movie, The Seventh Seal, by Ingmar Bergman, oh. when Death was sitting there with the with the I guess the protagonist, and they were playing chess. I believe it was. Um, oh wow! Yeah, very powerful movie and a very powerful poem. I mean, thank you. I really enjoyed that very, very much, very, very much. It reminded me of thank work you. that I write myself. So, very nice, very nice. I now, all that. great writers, all great writers have great writing influences. Who are some of yours, and what makes them great in your eyes? Um, my, I think my early influences, um, late when I was in college, and I really decided to start. Um, investing myself in poetry, the earliest poet that I knew of was uh, Jim Morrison, which I know a lot of uh, a lot of guys um, reference Jim. And it was kind of I got into Jim, I got into his music, I got into his words, and then um, reading documentaries about about Jim, or reading biographies rather. I apologize. Um, of sure. Jim, I. Uh, discovered like Jack Kerouac, the Beat Generation, Gary Snyder. So I was able to like read though read about them and uh learn and then read uh from learning about them, learning about other poets and then uh, it kinda took its way from there. Um up until uh I would say the biggest influence on me um was the this gentleman, Tom Weigel from New London, who he was at my very first poetry reading and he he ran a poetry scene in New London, Connecticut, and he kind of took me under under his wing, and he uh, he taught me about poetry, like what what poems that I was right, what poems that I wrote were needed to be revised, why they needed to be, um, how I could do it, things like that, what poets to read because of this poem. Um, so he really opened me up to uh, many New York poets, and uh, it was just it, it was. Um, because of Tom, I think that I really understood the craftsmanship and the uh, uh, real appreciation of uh, what 
poetry really is. He he was one of the biggest influences on me. I mean, right. there, there's so many other ones, but. Wow, very nice. You know, prior to college, was there an early experience where you learned that poetic language had power? Yeah. Um, I mean, in high school, um, we, uh, there was a group of us, like we would, we'd write rap songs and uh, Tupac Shakur was uh, uh, another, besides Jim Morrison, Tupac was um, another poet that like the language that he was using, it was just like, you didn't hear anything, you didn't hear anything um, that sounded the same as Tupac, like he, he was just distinct, he was honest, it was, it was like watching the news, it, it was, so Tupac definitely, um, was uh, early, like, how to use um, poetry, how to use words as uh, power. Now, do you also come from a literary background? I do. I, I've always enjoyed reading, yes. What about in your family? Anybody else a writer? Um, uh, no. Uh, my brother used to, when we were younger, he would dabble here and there, um, but uh, it's pretty much just me. All right. You know, when you think about a poem, and you think about the creation of it, and you think about it as being potentially a cake that's being baked. What do you mm-hmm. view as being some of the most in, the most prevalent ingredients <laughs> that go into baking a poem? Uh, I first you you need to uh, all the ingredients need to be honest. They they need to be mm. specific. They they need to be your truth. They, they need to uh, hold, have that substance. Um, but then you like, if you are baking a poetry cake, you got to mix it. You got to edit it. You got to revise it. You got to keep turning it over, churning it, whipping it up, make sure uh, everything that's in the poem is uh, earning its keep, whether it's uh, the proper words, the uh, line breaks, um, stanzas, is it going to flow together? So, all it, there's a little bit of everything, but I think um, the most important part of uh, getting that final poetry cake is being uh, honest enough to know that you, you need to revise your poem. You, you need to work on it. it like you're, no one's going to write the perfect poem in one sitting. Um, God bless you if you do, but it, it always right. takes more than one uh, get-go at it. Now, you've mentioned honesty and being honest a number of times, that's really important to you, it sounds like. Yeah, I, I mean, um, when one of the things that uh, Tom talked to me about, like growing up, uh, not growing up, but growing up in poetry, um, he would tell me all the time uh, that you, you can't, if you're writing a haiku, like there's haiku moments in the world, you can't sit down and make up uh, a haiku because it kind of, it takes the uh it's not genuine it, it's it, it might be an okay poem but you know there's no heart to it it what it, it's something that you picked up and it wasn't life as you saw it happen um so i kind of always wanted to make sure that when i was writing um it was always it was always honest there was it was always truth involved in, in the process uh i i think if someone's going to take the time to read your work and you're going to bleed onto the page, at least make sure uh, you're bleeding the right message and you're bleeding uh, your own blood. <laughs> All right. Very profound. Please share another piece. All right. This one is 
in your absence. I spend my minutes looking towards the moon, a waning crescent, a sliver in the night. You there in the north woods and me here in the hills of my birth. I think you below maritime stars, eyes lit like a field of mayflowers. I stand by my pit of fire, flames kissing the night as I would your neck, my heart in your hands. One defends and the other conquers. You have conquered all of me. I lay myself down before you like a vast tilled field ready to be sown. You have dug your fingers into the meadows of my heart. You've planted your seeds. Come fall, we'll harvest grain. Thank you, that's in your absence. In your absence. Wow. Do you think you were meant to be a poet, Jake? Um, I don't know. I do, in a way, think you either are a poet or you're not. Um, okay. Talk about but that. I'm, I, I, think, I think you can definitely get – it's almost a way of seeing, a way of understanding, not just kind of seeing things just a little, a little askew, things that you kind of see things just slightly different than everybody else and uh, – I, I think you can work and learn and craft your words, but I, I think that it. I think writing a poem is more than just getting pretty words on a paper. I think there's a um, a genuine spirit in, in words, um, a uh, a spirit like um, there's something connected where it gives it substance. There, the poem should have soul. It, it should speak to whoever's reading it. And, and I think it, if you're missing that, I, I think it comes across when uh, people get their eyes on it. Wow. You could be my twin brother because I believe <laughs> the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> right on, man. Maybe, maybe we are twins. You never know. <laughs> uh, poets hail from all over the world. Where do you hail from? Um, well, I grew up. Uh, I grew up on my grandfather's farm in uh, Griswold, Connecticut, and then um, I spent uh, went cross country after I graduated college, and then came back and uh, spent a good chunk of my twenties and thirties in London, Connecticut, and um, now uh, I'm in Colchester, Connecticut. So I've been pretty much New England my uh, whole life. <laughs> How do you think that's affected your writing? Um, I think, uh, honestly, um, once I learned, and it kind of sounds cliche, but once I learned about, uh, Jack Kerouac and like, uh, when I read on the road, uh, it, it changed my life. I, I know I'm probably like the 300 millionth person to say that, but it changed my mm-hmm. life. But then it wasn't just the book. It was, um, like when I was young, I, I wanted to, I could look at the horizon and I could see the sunset and it would set over, uh, over the town that I grew up in. And I just, I wanted to go farther. I wanted to see something different. I I didn't want to stay. I didn't want my feet in the same place. And, uh, I was very, uh, angsty. I was very, uh, like cooped up feeling, uh, caged up. So, uh, I wanted to, uh, travel. And then when I read on the road and then read about Jack's background, he grew up in, uh, Lowell, Massachusetts, the mill town. He's French Canadian. So there was just like similarities where um, you kind of grasp on to uh, authors and stories that kind of represent things that you either admire or um, like I, uh, it, it was one of the few novels where 
uh, Meme and Mamere were uh, that I read growing up that I saw that and I, I had a Meme and uh, I had a Pepe. So reading another French Canadian uh, author was kind of interesting. Uh, and I grew up in a similar Jewish city was a uh, mill town, a uh, big lot of French Canadians. So it was, it was just kind of finding somebody that had similar feelings of angst in a similar mm-hmm. uh, situation and they were able to get out and the story doesn't end well, but they were able to get out of the town that their parents, their family was from in a way. So uh, that, that was something that um, got to me when I was younger. That, that was how I kind of got into Jack. Oh, wow. Very nice. Please share another poem. Um, this is, um, this poem is, Overcast. The sky is heavy with gloom. It seems to rest its burdens on my back. There's no room to move around, and I know it's all eternal. There's no way to escape. It'll always be there. So I continue moving along like these clouds, and I know all seconds are temporary, and even now, they're gone. Thank you. That's Overcast. Wow. Let's take a brief break, and we'll be right back. Society. Um, I I think um, where I where I'm with the work. What I'm trying to say, I I feel like it comes uh, pretty naturally, and it comes out um, pretty honest. And then um, I, uh, I there's always the image that the words are forming, so you can always go back and mold it and get the image that you originally saw the on it, the honest uh vision tight and you can tighten it tighten things up and make sure that that vision is what the reader will get or hopefully now do you think that someone could be a poet if they don't feel strong emotions could be called a poet 
Um, I think so. I mean, there's um, so many different types of poetry that not somebody not feeling emotion, somebody that is kind of uh, distant. I mean, that that's all. Uh, um, that's part of the world too. So getting getting the uh, getting the input from somebody that feels that way. I mean, what what's what's the motivating factor? For them, why why aren't they feeling uh, a connection to anything? Uh, where what role do we play in that situation? Do we play a role in that situation? So, I think somebody that doesn't feel emotionally connected or emotional about anything, I think their opinion is uh, definitely uh, something that um, we can learn from. All right, please share another poem. Um, this poem is. The Descent I write my sadness on the wings of birds burning in the sun Scorched feathers and flight break apart Trails of soot streak the sky of blue I watch the ashes catch the wind and hope in the sunlight they find you Falling softly upon your head So you'll know that I was once there with you That's The Descent, thank you mm-hmm. You know, some poets claim that a poem is like a living creature. Once it's out there, there's not much you can do to correct or improve it, while others edit meticulously, not leaving much from the original draft form. What is your take on it? All right, so I'm. that's pretty awesome uh, that you asked that because uh, earlier today I was chatting with Todd Cirillo, uh, the New Orleans poet. Yeah. And, <laughs> I know um, Todd. I, <laughs> yeah, Todd. I, God bless Todd. I, I love that dude. Um, yeah, he's a good man. So he, uh, he, uh, he, uh, he was the one, the last book that I got published, uh, Night Full of Diamonds. Um, he went through, he edited, we worked together pretty tightly on it. So I, uh, I, I'm very grateful to Todd and John Griner. They both did that. Um, but I was talking with Todd today. Uh, I, I found an old poem and I sent it to him and I said, Hey, I just came across this. Uh, something like that. I thought you might appreciate it, you might like it, something like that. And I, I think I, it was uh, the date that I had on it was 2013. Um, and so when I sent it to Todd, he said, do you want suggestions or are you just sending me the poem? And I'm always open up uh, to suggestions. And we were talking and, um, like, poems evolve. Uh, John Landry taught me that. Like, you can – it doesn't matter how many times you get a poem published. That poem is uh, – always breathing it's always uh growing so um you might get that poem published in three different places and you might have three different variations of the poem it might be a word here or there maybe maybe you have a little bit of figurative language uh touched and maybe something got tightened up but uh or maybe you just have a completely different poem um so i i think poems are always i i poems are always growing they're always uh evolving uh editing or revising i i just can't tell you how much uh that should play in getting the perfect poem out like a, a lot of people get caught on uh first thought best thought and you can have, you can have that philosophy but it your first thought best thought it can still be there but you can tighten up the words so that you can get that best first thought clean uh so that every reader knows what your first thought best thought um, was so absolutely to to me poems are always they're always growing they're always uh, living and breathing and 
changing and uh yeah that's <laughs> that's my view on that <laughs> Yeah, I can tell you feel passionately about that. <laughs> That's so great. <laughs> does writing itself does it energize or exhaust you? Um, I think both. Um, when I like, it's very uh, when when I get into a project, um, uh, I'll get into like I'll start a project and then I'll get two or three, two or three related projects kind of going, and um, I'm full speed ahead uh like i i don't want to rest i don't want to stop like i i have this end goal uh, i want i want to get uh these 15 poems together for this book and i i'm just going to work until this is done and i i want to get think about some cover art and uh, i'm just i'm focused and there's no rest and i'm ready to go and then like once uh, it's almost like when you when these projects that i do uh like i um with poetry um as I'm working on them and uh, going crazy, uh, editing, revising, writing, changing, scrapping, changing this, doing this, um, when you, it, it's like putting a puzzle together. So when that, like mm. when you tweak that last word and that final poem in the collection, it's like that last puzzle piece going in and then you see the picture and then all of a sudden you're like, all right, now I'm spent. I am, I am done after doing that. And, uh, your gas tank's empty, and you you got to refill it after that. So uh, okay. I I mean it, it it keeps me going. But then when once the going's done, then uh, I am uh, spent for a bit. Right, I understand. You know, in the same vein of a question, what do you view as being the most difficult part of your artistic process? Um, I I think the most difficult part for me is. I like I like to write, but I don't I, I don't like sitting down and forcing myself to write. So okay. the 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 position that I'm in now, like after the last book came out, um, I've kind of been focused on that, trying to plug that, and uh, um, I haven't really been writing too much. But at the same time, like uh, I like I said, like uh, refilling the gas tanks, and uh, I, the tough part for me is to not feel like. Uh, I'm a failed writer because I'm not getting anything on paper. Um, when I, when I was younger, I used to think if I, if I wasn't writing something every day that that was garbage and like, what's the point. And now like I realized that, um, Kay McDonough, uh, stopped by my house a while back and we were chatting and I, I told her about how, like, I kind of told her I had writer's block, which I, I don't know that poets have that. I think it's just a refilling. And yeah. so I, I told her, I was like, I, I'm stressed that, uh, I haven't written anything in a while. And she was like, you got a lot of changes in your life right now. Like you're, you're a father now and uh, you have other things. So you just put out this book. Now your gas tank's empty. Now you got to live, you got to breathe and gradually fill it up. And then when your gas tank's full, then that's when the poems will come. So um, I've seen it, it like it's kind of cyclical each year where there's different phases where I'll get a lot of work done uh, in a short amount of time and then kind of go dry for a little bit while I'm submitting and crafting. And um, then a couple months later, I'll come again in a uh, big flurry. Share another poem. All right. Um, I'll read the uh, title poem from uh, Night Full of Diamonds. Night Full of Diamonds. Dipping fingers into sea of stars, arms outstretched, radiating visage of desire, coiled galaxies in your eyes, and me 
here, fire kissed and drowning in the shadow of trees. That's the title poem, Night Full of Diamonds. Thanks. Let's talk about Night Full of Diamonds. It was published in 2021. It's just yep. recently published, I'm sure, right? Yeah, yeah, um, uh, a couple months ago. Um, where is it available? Uh, right now it's available on Amazon um, from Whiskey City Press. Um, it, it's Night Full of Diamonds is up there. Uh, Lost City Highway is up there. Um, it's available uh, from Amazon. Now, writing that book, what did you learn about yourself writing that particular book? A Night Full of Diamonds. Um, so when I was writing that book, um, I, I was in the uh, – I was, I was at the end of a divorce. Uh, I was living uh, living back home um, in the in that cabin. Spent most of my nights in that cabin by the campfire. Um, right. There was a um, the pandemic was uh, just beginning. Like after about uh, eight nine months, the pandemic was setting in. So there there was a lot of a lot of time just by myself. Um, no, nobody else to talk about. Nobody else uh, to see. Uh, I, I was starting a new relationship, um, so a lot of the poems, the majority of these poems, were during that the early points of the relationship. Me sending poems uh, to her, and then they began adding up. And uh, so this is kind of like an account of um, who I was learning that uh, being um, being alone is a good thing being uh, alone with uh, your own thoughts and um, spending the night sitting by a fire and uh, just thinking and um, it's all right just to kind of be there and be yourself and be alone. Man. That that was a fine thing. In terms of the book itself, what surprised you the most? Um, I, I think uh, the reaction I've got, I've, I've gotten a lot of positive reaction from it. Um, okay. A lot of people uh, told me that. Are you surprised by the? Are you surprised by the, um, the positive reaction? I, I, I'm I'm always uh, surprised. Uh, I you know <laughs> I, uh, I I don't want to overthink anything, and uh, you know I, I'm always appreciative of any any positive reaction. And it, it wasn't so much the positive reaction as people uh, relating to different things. So it, it was okay. It, it was just nice when the book came out and. Uh, People uh, seem to gravitate to it. They they really um, had uh, good reactions, and I had just I I'm always very humbled whenever I get anything positive from uh, from work. So um, it made me uh, I, I was very proud of the final copy. That's okay. If you had to convince a friend or colleague to read the book, what would you tell them? Um. I think I would tell them uh, it's it's a book of love poems. It's a book of nature poems. It's uh, what whatever type of poetry you like. It, it is in this book. There's um, mm. uh, sad poems. There's poems that reflect sadness, uh, joy, um, love of nature, love of humankind, love of people, just love of life. Um, and it, it it's all there. It, it's it's not all happiness. It, it's it kind of runs the gamut of uh, of life, uh, the day to day living of uh, somebody. All right. 
Share another poem, please, Jake. Um, sunset. The sun breaks over the horizon, a million shards of light thrown over the field, falling in shadows that lay softly across ponds and stretched thin over rock palisades. The end of day withers like the once vibrant petals of a flower, withdrawing in wounded steps to the shade of trees. I'm left standing here, alone, understanding revolutions, composed and eager. That's Sunset from uh, Nightfall of Diamonds. Tell me more about that particular piece in terms of the construction of it. Um, a lot of times, um, it just kind of, I, I hear, I hear the poem, um, sitting by the fire and the, it'll start, um, while I'm sitting at the fire and I hear a voice, I'll get an image, I'll start writing things down. And, uh, I think this particular piece, uh, um, sitting by the fire, looking at, uh, my grandfather's, uh, field. He always uh, would sit on the porch and watch the sunset, and uh, it, there's a good um, good vantage point from my uh, fire pit that you can see the sun. So just kind of uh, realizing that uh, there's a day-to-day living, that uh, every day is you can make it as long as you want, you can make it as short as you want, and uh, life is uh, life's a short cruise, so, you know. Either deal with it or uh, do what you want, in a way. Wow. Either deal with it or do what you want. <laughs> your, your your thinking is really clear, Jake. It's really clear. <laughs> <I mean. laughs> As my mom would say, you can never put sugar on an onion because even if it is an onion, you just, you, well, you should never put sugar on an onion. You tell it like it is. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. How's the guy get it? Thank you. Thank you. I, I lose it sometimes. Yeah. All birds <laughs> have several words that come up over and over and over again in their work. Words or sentences that they just can't help but use in their work. What are three of your absolute favorite words to use? Um, I think... Uh, I, John John Greiner, the uh, poet from uh, New York, from Brooklyn, um, he jokes around with me all the time because he's like, man, here you are writing another poem that has the moon in it. And uh, he, he <laughs> constantly, uh, uh, and, and I am very, very much aware of it, but it, it, it's just something that, like, I, I'm writing, I, I'm being honest. I'm writing by a campfire, and there's this uh, oh, wow. full moon floating above me. Like, th- this thing's going to make its way into this poem, whether I like it or not. And uh, um, I think uh, the uh, moon, the imagery of moon, um, comes into my poems quite a bit. Uh, in uh, my earlier writing, my uh, Lost City Highway book, the road and um, traveling, searching. The road was something that came up constantly. It was always, uh, um, we're on to the next town, we're on to the next town, we're going here, we're going here, where in uh, um, Nightfall of Diamonds, it's you're at, this, you're at a fire pit, you're not on the road, you're, you're far from the road, you're secluded in the woods with a fire pit and your own thoughts and your own love and uh, 
you're sitting here, so you, you've got your trees, you've got your overcast skies, you've got your moon. You, in fact, in this book, uh, the sun shows up every now and then. And uh, so uh, I, I, I've gone from writing about being on the road and having uh, that type of terminology, hitchhikers and things like that, popping up in poems, and then uh, now more natural uh, imagery and natural words uh, making their way into my pieces. Share another poem. All right. Um, this is, this is, page got stuck together here. All right, here we go. Below the moon. <laughs> I just, there it is. Below the moon. <laughs> All right, uh, below the moon. The thought of you floods my head and I'm drowning, struggling to stay above water, looking up a shimmering expanse, reminding me of your eyes, looking back at mine. But you're not here. No one is. And that is uh, below the moon. Thank you. Your poetry is short and sweet to the point. Not sweet to the point, straight to the point. Straight to the point. <laughs> short and sweet too. Short and sweet too. Yeah. <laughs> does, knowing, does knowing that your poetry is published and out there in the world validate you being a poet or are you content just knowing they're out of your system? Um, I think when I was younger, um, Getting a poem in a magazine, getting a poem accepted, uh, that really like that that really justified uh the time spent writing. Um, but now um I kinda I like just writing writing a poem that I like the feeling of finishing a poem and thinking, Oh, I I did okay on that. Um and then if somebody takes the poem, that's just uh it's kinda even more special at this point. Like I appreciate every Every poem that goes out and gets taken, not every poem's ever gonna um, get accepted everywhere. Um, so I, I think I've learned, like, rather than when I was younger, being bummed out when things didn't get taken. Now it's more <laughs> cool that that poem got taken. Not like just knowing, um, hey, that poem didn't hit for that editor when they were choosing that poem at that time on that day. They just didn't feel it, so no worries about that. Um, and uh, now it's uh, oh great they they really like that I I like that poem too or oh wow they took that poem I I didn't think uh, that poem stood a chance type of deal so uh, I, I think I'm more appreciative now uh, when, when poems do get accepted but it's not uh, it's not a do or die for me anymore like I I can go without getting published uh, I I mean don't get me wrong I love I love when poems do get published but it's not gonna it's not going to kill me if uh, if I go through a lull. Yeah, I had a couple of rejections this week, and I almost felt crushed. Um, yeah. Any advice for me? I know you just shared a lot. Any advice for me as a poet? What to, what should I do when that happens? When I feel like I'm on the verge um, of feeling crushed. So, um, I don't know. I, uh, the poet Joel Daly in uh, New Orleans. Um, mm-hmm. he, uh, he, he published, uh, Fell Swoop magazine and 
he this is one of my favorite rejection letters. Um, so he Joel um, published Felsu Magazine um, out of uh, New Orleans, and he was connected to um, my poetry mentor that I was telling you about, Tom Weigel. So um, a lot of the New London we for for a good run back in uh, 2005 to 10 New London, like that poetry scene was is uh, on fire and. Um, okay. They Joel Joel did a uh, New London uh, a New London school uh, issue of only New London poets. But anyway, back back to the rejection. The uh, so Tom was telling me you got you got to send some poems to um, Joel. So I was like, all right. So I'm feeling like, all right. Tom's telling me to send send him these poems. Got a good shot of getting some of these poems in. I, I was young and cocky and feeling good. So I send out. Um, about four or five poems, you know, not, nothing too much. You don't want to mm-hmm. send too many poems, Overdue. but uh, right. I, I thought I, right. I, I, I thought I sent enough that kind of showed a little of uh, what um, what I had. So, and, and I at this time I always sent snail mail. I, I never submitted my poems by email. Everything was hard copy. So uh, mm-hmm. I send these poems to uh, Joel Daly, self-addressed envelope inside and everything, uh, so that uh, he got something to send back. Um, and, uh, I get home from work one day and, uh, I got a letter. I, I myself addressed them. The envelope is right there. So I grab it and I rip it open and it's every poem that I sent him just folded up and sent back to me. And then written on the back of the last poem, it said, uh, none of these poems grabbed me by the lapel. Cheers, Joel. And, uh, I was like, Oh my God. And I was crushed. And then like the more. I talked to people about it. They were like, oh, that, that's such a great rejection. And, like, and Joel and I, we have a great relationship. I, I've gotten poems published in there. I've gotten poems rejected from there. And that was just like the I, – I, at the time, I, I was devastated. But now, like, looking back, I, I can say that that's my absolute favorite rejection that I've ever gotten because mm. I, knew, I, I knew he read my poems, and it wasn't just a uh, – yeah, not taking your poems type of deal. It was I read your poems and I don't like them, man. And uh, it, it was just great. Like looking back at it, uh, I, I still have. I, I've got it in a box somewhere at home. I gotta get it uh, framed. I just. And I told him he came up to New London and uh, I told them uh, we we got grinders in uh, New London because he wanted a Connecticut grinder, and uh, mm-hmm. we were laughing about it. We we had a good joke about it. All right, all right, all right. I know that once I got over my initial shock of feeling crushed and I got online and I yep. read about the rejections uh, <laughs> that people yeah, go yeah. through it. I felt a lot better. I felt a lot better. So yeah, I'm in a better place today, and, but I had to had to work through it. <laughs> and, and, and it kind of like, um, I, I can't, I, I can't remember the name of the poet, um, but I, I know when, she would get when she would get rejected. She would staple the notes or pin the notes up in her writing room so her uh, um, her walls were covered in rejection notices. And uh, I, I just thought that I thought that was the coolest thing. And like I I I I, I honestly can't remember uh, her name. I I I don't I don't even want to start throwing names out because I, I I don't want to yes. name the wrong person. But. Uh, uh, I just thought that was the coolest thing, and like that, there's a lot of cool uh, people have done a lot of cool art with uh, rejection uh, notices. So almost like it's a badge of honor now. <laughs> 
Now, do you belong to a writing group or a group of writers that you share your work with? Um, or community I, writers? Yeah, no, no, like official, um, official group, like no uh, card holding member of whatever. But there's okay. uh, um, there's a group of poets uh, that I uh, bounce work off of. Um, Todd Cirillo, I told you about. Um, I'll mm-hmm. send work to John Griner, um, Victor Clevenger. Um, John Dorsey is always open to uh, checking out poems. Um, but I, um, I, I really, I like getting feedback from John Griner and Todd Cirillo. Um, I, I appreciate them as poets themselves, and um, they, yes. they kind of, they, they kind of understand my writing in a way. Um, mm-hmm. So. And both of them, going back to honesty, they they know that I'm going to take their honest criticism, and um, mm-hmm. they don't hold back. They they they're uh, very um, uh, well. They get they get my work, so that they're, they're very helpful to get ideas from. Um, I'll uh, I, I have a friend who's not a writer that I send him my poems, and same thing. He'll uh, give me uh, feedback and things like that. Like what well, well, he's how he's seeing the poem. Uh, even though he's not a writer, um, where his idea of what I'm trying to say. So no, nothing official. Um, back when I was in New London, um, the, uh, we, there was an issue of Fell Swoop that was the New London School of Poetry issue. And uh, we, had, we had a good run. Um, it wasn't like the typical school per se. Like it was very loose. There was no uh, – um, we would have after poetry readings, we'd, we'd have get-togethers and we'd – give each other assignments here or there. Most of the time we were just writing exquisite corpse. Um, every now and then somebody would give out like, Hey, for the poetry reading next week, write a poem about this. But that was few and far between. Mostly it was, uh, um, poets just working together, writing, writing words together, um, getting published in a lot of the same places. Uh, we, we had a uh, new London had a big connection to, um, uh, New Bedford in Massachusetts, so we connected with a lot of the poets up there, and uh, it, so it, there, there's definitely a community. But like I said, like I wouldn't, uh, I, I wouldn't claim to be outside of the New London school, which uh, everybody's kind of uh, dissipated and everybody's kind of scattered okay. like seeds around uh, the world right now. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, there, there's a community. There, there's a pretty cool uh, online uh, community of uh, poets I admire and respect. All right, we'll take a quick brief break and we'll be right back. back. I am here with Jake St. John. You know, Jake, so much is happening in the world. We've got the pandemic. We've got other major crises around the world. It's just so much is happening. 
What do you view as being the role of a poet in modern day society? Um, I think the role of the poet, like I said, um, tell the truth. And okay. when, when people are telling the truth, uh, like that's going to mix society up. You're going to stir up conversation. Uh, a lot of people don't, obviously in the last couple of years, a lot of people don't like facts. They don't, they don't like the truth. They don't, uh, they don't want to hear it, but by mm-hmm. speaking the truth and reading honest poems and reading poems that are uh, painting images of what life is like for everybody uh, in the country, everybody in the world, wherever you're writing from, um, poets should make things awkward. Question, make, make people that are thinking things, why are you thinking them? Why in the face of all, all these facts and science and things like that, why do you continue to think think uh, the way you are? And poetry should make you question yourself. Uh, it, it it should open up open up the world. It should open up where society is. Um, and in the end, I, I think poetry, if it's honest, and poetry, if it slaps you in the face, it it should make people think. It should make people question themselves and uh, really just like this is what life is let's let's fix it like let's make things make things the way they should be because there's this potential here and just kind of make make it awkward for people make make people uh think about things that they might be too comfortable uh in day-to-day life they they might be too comfortable to even want to spend time thinking about it but, Jake, people don't like awkwardness, my friend. They don't like that. <laughs> you know, I, I think they don't like it, they don't like it but it's something, you'll re- it's something they'll remember. When, when okay. things are awkward, like, you, can't, you can remember the awkward feeling. And, like, I, like growing up, like, I, I think part of, part of being a human is being able to grow. Just like a poem, you're able to grow. You're able to revolve, like, you can listen to what somebody else is saying and maybe you had a thought based on something else, but now these facts are telling you something different. This poem's telling you something different and maybe you're able to uh, appreciate that and be able to uh, listen to it instead of um, having blinders up and just kind of, that's not what I'm thinking. I don't want to hear it type of gig. All right. All right. Please share another poem. All right. Um, this poem is um, it's called Inishmore. That's the name of the pub I was there earlier tonight. Um, it, uh, this poem was written on a napkin just before it was my last time at the poem. Uh, <laughs> it was my last time at this pub. Um, I, I'd just gotten out of divorce, um, and I was waiting to get uh, to my girlfriend's house. I stopped by the pub, uh, and I wrote this poem on a napkin, and then I think that weekend was when we kind of all went into a lockdown and nobody, mm-hmm. it, it was that first. So this poem, anyway, sorry, long story. Anyway, this no poem problem. is titled Inishmore. I'm at an Irish pub in Colchester, alone and waiting for my burger. But the bartender had my beer waiting for me when I walked in. Every so often after kicking you in the gut for months on end, the universe relents and sees to it that you have a remedy to ease the pain. That's Inishmore from Night Full of Diamonds. Wow. Oh. 
I'm just processing your work. So dynamic. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and your thinking, Thank you. as I said earlier, is, is so clear. I mean. Thank you. How has how has your idea of poetry of what it is, or what what it can do, changed since you began writing? Um, I I think the biggest thing that changed in me was, um, like I said, growing up, uh, I my my real link to poetry was Jim Morrison, and then when I got to college and like got Lords and Creatures and uh, his American Prayer, and you know read all these dark poems and Jack Kerouac uh, reading, reading mm-hmm. his work and it's not all sunshine. And so I, I think early on, like I, I took poetry way too serious. Um, I, I, I had people there that like, they, they, they could find the humor in poems. And at the time, like, I was just like, ah, oh, man, you know, like that's, that's not real poetry. And uh, so I, I think now I'm at the point where like, I, I appreciate uh, humor in poems. I, I appreciate being able to not just laugh at the poem, but like laugh at yourself as a poet type of deal. Like uh, um, I, I, I don't shy away from being called a poet. I know there's some people okay. that like that's that's the badge they wear. Uh, they have I, I'm a poet tattooed uh, all over them. You know, like that's the the badge mm-hmm. of honor. Um, but I, I I don't take myself nearly as seriously as I did when I started writing. And uh, I, I think, I think that's opened up a lot, uh, a lot more creativity, not having um, those uh, doors closed and not allowing like uh, humor, humor and happiness is uh, a human emotion, just like uh, sad, sadness and angst. And so I, I think being able to grow and see how foolish uh, I was, not foolish, but, um, having my eyes strictly on like a focus point rather than seeing the whole panoramic. I'm instead of looking at the whole grand Canyon, I'm looking at this one tree type of type of deal. And uh, I think now I'm able to uh, appreciate the humor and uh, the uh, subtleties of uh, poems can have happy endings. Hmm. Nicely stated. What makes a poem good? I know it's a very subjective question, but for you, what makes it good? Um, to me, a good poem to me is when I'm reading it, um, I, I can feel, I, I just told someone, I just told Ashley Cook this earlier today. Uh, like it, it, it's, um, when you're reading a good poem, you feel like you're, you're in the room, like a ghost, like you're watching the poem happen. So I think a good poem to me, it's visual, it, it's emotional, uh, I, I think both visual, you, you can accomplish uh, being visual and emotional with figurative language. I, I love using similes. I, I use, I'll use similes all, all day long. Um, but I, I think there's ways to make, uh, make, I can read a poem and then somebody, somebody in Wisconsin, they can read the same poem and have a similar feeling or have a completely different feeling based on how, how it's written. Um, I, to me, I think a good poem is, I, I've always said, every, every word should hold its own. Every word should earn its way into the poem. And if that happens, that means that the poem has been crafted and hopefully uh, the reader will be able to feel the emotion that the poet put into it. Mm. We've got time for one more. Please share. Okay. 
Um, this poem is She She You, my darling beauty, are rays of the sun Cast down through all of space Until you're here Right here In this one certain point in time and we're together by the turn of a stone. Lay down across, lay down your love across my chest. And feel my heart that beats for you. Here. Right here. And that's she. Nightfall well, of Diamond. That was beautiful. Beautiful. It really was. How active are you on social media? Um, I, I try to be fairly active. Um, I try not to overdo it. Um... I use uh I, I use Instagram to kinda focus uh poetry and creativity on um that's where I kinda advertise, advertise some poems or I'll post some readings. Okay. Um that's kinda focused towards uh my poetry but I, I, I'm active on Facebook. That's more of a um I, uh, you get a little bit of everything. You're gonna get pictures of me, you're gonna get uh uh social uh um You'll get newspaper uh, stories, poetry, family, things like that. But, yeah, I try to be uh, um, pretty active. Well, I was going to ask you, where can readers find your work? I know they're published on Amazon. Where else can they find your work and find you? Um, How can they stay in touch? Uh, they're on Amazon. Um, I'm on Facebook, Jake St. John. Um, I'm on Instagram, jake.st.john. Um, pre- pretty easy to find. Um, email Jake underscore St. John at Hotmail. Um, I, I try to, uh, any emails that come in, I, I always try to respond. Um, but mm-hmm. that, that's pretty much where you can find me, Facebook, Instagram. Well, my one last question to you before we end is what's next for you creatively? Um, I, I, I've talked to a couple of people, you know, like I said, I'm kind of uh, refilling the tank right now. But uh, okay. I, I've talked to a couple, a uh, couple different poets about doing some projects together. Um, I won't say any names just uh, until they happen. But um, they might have a couple, a uh, couple interesting things popping up uh, soon. Um, but I, I'm looking forward to working with some poets that I haven't worked with before. All right, very nice. Well, I want to thank you for being my guest tonight. I learned a lot, and I'm sure our listeners learned a lot as well. I mean, you're a good man, and I enjoy talking to oh, you. I, I had a blast. I look forward to doing it again sometime. This, I mean, it flew by. <laughs> it, it did. <laughs> I, I want you to return. I really, really yeah, do. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll need to schedule yep. a, a part two, <laughs> all right? Definitely. Absolutely. I, I, am, I am down. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, great. That makes me happy. That makes me really, really happy. <laughs> well, all right. Good night to you, Jake. Good night to our listeners. As I share every week, let poetry ring. Be careful out there. Be safe. You have just listened to the quintessential listening poetry online radio podcast with your host, Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. And make sure to catch our next episode.